going to go into the book of Jeremiah, the first chapter, in just a moment. So, at the beginning of this past year, there was a word that the Lord spoke to me, and it was that this will be a providential year. And as I began to contemplate what that meant and what God was saying, I looked up the word providential, and in the Webster's Dictionary in the 1828 version, it says the word providential means proceeding from divine direction or intervention. So what God was saying is that this year will be a year that I give divine direction and you see me work with divine intervention. And we've seen that, haven't we? We've, we've seen it in healings. Here at the church, we've seen it in situations in the government where God divinely intervened and changed things. I was praying this past week, and God woke me from my sleep, and he began to speak some things to me about where our focus is. How many of you realize that there's been a spirit of antichrist that's been released in this world? I mean, we know that things have always been bad in the world, but there, there has been a shift and there has been a concentrated effort to try and destroy things. And as I began to contemplate this and I began to think about this, and God began to speak some things to me that I want to bring to you today. But this is what I want to preach about today is called important enough to matter. Would you say that with me? Important enough to matter. Let's pray together. Father, we just ask you, God, to have your way in the service today. Let our focus be on you. God, knit every heart to your heart, God, and every mind to your mind. In Jesus' name, amen. So important enough to matter. When you look across the spectrum, the thing that is, you know, really on the horizon right now is the question of abortion. How many of you recognize that this isn't the first time that uh, people have just tried to destroy babies? Is anybody in the house today? Say, so I can't believe you're speaking about that, Pastor. Well, it's time somebody spoke about it. It's, it's time someone spoke about it. Babies are important enough to matter. And so what happened is there was an attack years ago on babies. Do you remember that one? It was in a different country. It was somebody else that was trying to destroy a child, and it was at a specific time. It marked a time of deliverance. And right before deliverance came, there was this attack to try and destroy children. All the male children in Egypt were being thrown into the Nile River in an effort to destroy them. How many of you know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? And so the, uh, the, the, then there was another time that came, a time that followed 400 years of silence, and there had been no word of God, and people were, were, were desperate for God to speak to them. They needed someone to deliver them. They needed a Savior, and guess what happened? They came after babies again. This time it was Herod that sent his soldiers through to destroy the children that were two years old and under because he was trying to wipe out a baby that had come to his knowledge that was more than just a child. It was more than the son of Joseph. It was the son of God. And Herod was trying to take him out. And he did not succeed. Who would have believed? You know, it used to be, do you remember with the abortion issue when it first started? It, it, was, it was over this question, when does life begin? Everybody asked that question, when does life begin? Jer God answered it in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. 
Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I consecrated you to myself as my own. I have appointed you as a prophet of the nations. That ought to mean something to you, that God knew you before your parents knew you. That God knew you, he ordains you before you ever drew your first breath. So it's not a matter of when life begins anymore. That the culture has shifted. We've entered into a culture of death that is trying to take, they know there's life there, but now they're trying to take the life all the way up to the baby being born. Right now, New York is trying to pass a law that will allow a baby to be murdered 28 days after it's been born. After it's been born. How many of you know there's about to be a divine intervention? <laughs> there's about, I'm telling you that it is, it is, I, I got to be careful here because I need to bring this out because part of me wants to jump. But God began to speak to me about what he ha- what's going on, what, what he's got going on. And, I'm, I, and while I'm receiving this, I'm thinking, God. I, and, and so there's a, who would have believed that the Supreme Court would be talking about reversing Roe versus Wade? And just for your information, look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting into politics here. You have the right to be wrong if you want to. But you need to understand that Roe versus Wade was never constitutional. It took the ability from the states and put it into the federal government. Now we've got the federal government coming after our children. They are trying to get into the schools and tell your five-year-old that they may not be a boy or they may not be a girl. That, you know, you, you, you've got a right to choose. Can I tell you that the Scripture declared, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and God doesn't make mistakes. Hear what I'm saying. That Get your hands off our kids. God is about to show himself in a way that we have not seen him before. Children are important enough to matter. Amen. Let me tell you how important children are. My son-in-law's father, Danny, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And the doctor said, there's no hope for you. They ended up taking, the, the, when we got news, our little granddaughter, Vivian, our son, Jonathan, told Vivian, Vivian, you need to pray for it. They call, he, she calls him Papa Danny. Pray for Papa so Vivian starts praying, and Jonathan's recording it, and she's stretching her hand, and she's saying, Jesus, I'm asking you for Papa Lord, to heal him and, and renew him in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> they sent that clip to Danny, and Vivian did for Danny what the doctors couldn't. Vivian gave Danny hope. <laughs> And all of a sudden, Danny, I, I, I went and talked. This has been like two, three weeks ago. I talked to Danny. He's out of the hospital. He's back at home. Danny said, look, man, I feel great. He said, I, I feel good, and I, I'm just trusting God. I'm praying that God extend Danny's years. Well, if he did it for Hezekiah, he can do it for him. We've got to speak those things that are not as though they were. Somebody say, important enough to matter. Do you understand that you are important enough to matter. God woke me up, and when he started dealing with me, this is what he said to me. He said, you're not, as I start praying, I hear him saying, you're not going to change their mind. You have to change their heart. Stir up the gift inside you that I've placed in you and begin to declare my word. I'm telling you, I, well, literally, I said I got up. I got up. I was laying in bed when he spoke that to me. After he spoke that to me, I jumped up and started praying. I thought, God, stir it up inside of me. God, give me. Do you know what we need? We need a good shot of boldness. I'm not talking about obnoxiousness. I'm not talking about in your face, you know, in a Bible thumper. 
neighbor. I'm talking about loving people enough to reach out to rescue them, not to condemn them, not to put them down, but to say, listen, God loves you. He's got something for you, and you need to let him bring it to you. But we're afraid to say anything. I'll talk to you about the weather. Talk to you about my new hairdo. Talk about all kinds of things that don't matter. How many of you believe that Jesus is important enough to matter? Then you need to shout Jesus from the mountain, Jesus in the streets. What's the rest of that? Jesus for my family. Over what? You all do listen. Everybody say it, Jesus. Don't, don't lose your, how is it that when you're talking about the cards and the cubs, you don't have any problem? Or when you're talking about Chevy truck versus Ford truck, you don't have any problem. But when it comes to Jesus, sometimes we lose our voice. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Look, this is what, thank you. This is what happened with, there's a, there's a young lady that has been born and she's, she is taken captive, moved into another nation. She's living there as a foreigner. She's subject to the laws of another land and she happens to be a good-looking little girl. And so all of a sudden, the king's men go through and they snatch her up, take her to the, you know, for some beauty treatments that are going to last a year. Women, you thought you had fun at the massage, you know. Can you imagine a year of beauty treatments? I just don't need them that long. I, <laughs> I thought, man, these must have been some homely women if they had to go for a year's worth of beauty treatments. No, I'm kidding, okay. Let me, so a, a year's worth of beauty treatments, and then she goes before the king. Her name is Esther. The king looks at her and puts a crown on her head, and this obscure little girl that nobody knew and apparently didn't matter, all of a sudden now she's important enough to matter. She's got a crown on her head, and she is made queen. But there's a man that wants to destroy not just one Jew, but all the Jews. His name is Hitler. Do you understand that this spirit has always been? That there's a spirit that's always been present and always been trying to come after God's people. But how many of you know greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world? And so Haman decides, I'm not just going to go after Mordecai, I'm going to go after all the Jews, and he makes a plot, and he gets the king to sign a decree without the king realizing what he's doing, and it's a death sentence on all the Jews. He puts on ash or, or sackcloth, he smears ashes on himself, he goes and he stands before the king's gate, and he begins to weep and cry out. Esther hears that he's out there, sends him a new set of clothes. Come on, wipe your face. Get, you know, let's be happy. Let's, isn't it odd that sometimes we just want to bury our head in the sand and, and just forget that there's stuff that's going on around us that we need to speak to? And now, all of a sudden, he, he says, look, she, he's saying, I, you know, just Change. He sends word back. And this is what well, he said, you tell Esther what's going on and that she needs to go in and speak to the king for us. Well, Esther sends word back to Mordecai and says, look, man, everybody knows the law around here. If you go into the king and you haven't been called, there's one law. You get put to death. And he hasn't called me for 30 days. I'm not even on his mind. And then he sent something to her, 
a reminder. And this is what it said. Esther 4 and 13, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. Everybody say, help's still going to come. He said, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Do you know that it, didn't, it did not take God by surprise when on June 24th in 1961, a baby boy was born? I was put here intentionally. You were put here intentionally. And God thinks you're important enough to matter. So he made sure that you would be here for such a time as this. Well, I, I didn't want to get put into this situation. I don't like everything that's going on around me. He's saying, look, this isn't about your comfort. This is about the fact that I've called you to make a difference. And I've got you right where I need you for you to be able to lift your voice and make a difference. And so Esther had to come to terms within her heart. I'm not going to just sit here quietly. So what did she do? She began to have everybody pray. Somebody say, pray. Say again, pray. God is great. God is good. Thank you for this food. Amen. Sometimes that's what our prayers consist of. It's just a little sweet note to God. Not just, hey, God. No, no. She's, she's serious about this. She's saying, there has got, I, I need God to move for me. I need something to happen. And so those people begin to pray, and Esther makes up her mind, I'm going to lift my voice. Now, hear me. Your voice can make a difference, but you got to be talking to the right person. Esther doesn't, after three days of prayer, in fact, Esther doesn't run down the street screaming, Help, help, we're all going to die. No, she takes her conversation to one person, the king, because she knows the king can make a difference. How many of you understand that he's still king of kings and lord of lords? I'm not just going to, I'm not, I'm not running down the street just shooting my mouth off. I'm going to make sure that I'm taking my conversation where it can make a difference. Take it to the king. Somebody say, important enough to matter. When God spoke this to me, Stir up the gift that's in you. Begin to declare my word. Because it's not a head problem. It's a heart problem. You're not going to change their mind. You have to change their heart. And I realized, I thought, I've got to bring walls down. How many of you have ever built a wall up around your heart. You know what I'm talking about. Loved someone at one time or, had, you know, were, cared for somebody at one time and they hurt you. So what do you do? Put up the wall. Brick wall. You remember that one that used to go around? Brick wall. What are you doing? You're saying, I'm not going to let anybody get close enough me, to me to make a difference. I found out something. I found out that the God we serve is able to take down walls that I can't take down. <laughs> that the God I serve is able to penetrate forces or, and fortresses that I can't penetrate. Somebody say, Jesus. <laughs> say it one more time, Jesus. Jesus. So J Joshua finds himself in the same situation. Joshua's facing an enemy that's never been defeated. An enemy that's built a fortress up and has fortified themselves behind walls. Walls that are 18 feet thick. And Joshua doesn't have a clue on how to get in the wall. What are you doing? I'm trying to think my way through. 
You remember that? You probably don't. How many of you remember Superman? The Superman. How many, you, you know, I'm talking about the Superman that was on television. You know, George Reeves, you know, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a steaming locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the, you got it. So there, there's one, huh? No, his name was George Reeves. The one on television, you're thinking about the one that was, let me do the preaching, honey. Okay, okay. So, so there's an episode, there's an episode where all of a sudden he, he's, he has to be two, two places at once. And he's thinking, man, how, how can I do that? So he starts to try and concentrate. And he concentrates and he divides himself. But when he divided himself, he was only half as good. He was trying to take off and he's sputting through the air. He doesn't have the strength that he had before. What are you getting at, Pastor? I'm saying that the body of Christ has to come together. That the body of Christ can't allow the enemy to divide them. That we are stronger as one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. What are you saying? I, he's one. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. He's not divided. So you can't get divided. But we allow the enemy to divide us. He's got no clue how to do this. Watch what happens. Joshua doesn't have a clue what to do. Watch what happens. Joshua 5 and 13. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you a Democrat or a Republican? <laughs> See, that's what we're doing. We're, we're dividing ourselves. We're, 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 we're making ourselves weaker. Can I tell you, I'm not a, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm a Christian. <laughs> I belong to God. I don't, I don't care about your party. I'm talking about having a party <laughs> in the presence of God. You, say, are, are you a friend or a foe? Listen, I love this answer. Listen to this. Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? It hit me. I thought, man, we have been, we have, we've allowed the body to become divided. And you're not going to reach people through their head. You're going to have to go after their heart. And the only way you can touch their heart is through God. He said that he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is what? God is love. We think we've got it all figured out. Well, we'll just take the, now listen to me. We've been doing politics ever since this nation's been conceived. But hear me, the thing that caused America to be great was not her politicians. It wasn't her courts. It was the church. It was, a, it was believers that were crying out to God. It's what won battles. Do you think that we came back out of World War II because of generals' ingenuity? They had them running into gunfire. It was because there were praying mamas at home saying, bring my boy home, God. Save my children. Who you are is important enough to matter. When Joshua hears from God, he obeys God. And this is what God instructed him to do. Get up and move. Look at your neighbor and say that. Get up and move. What do you mean God instructed him to get up and move? He said, you're going to march around those walls for seven days. Once a day for six days, and on the seventh day you'll go around sometimes. Just get up and move. Everybody say, don't just sit there. Do something. Move. Move. You ever see an alligator? Alligator acts like it can't move at all. Sits there with its mouth open. 
go up and kick him. You find out how quick he can move. In a short span of time, an alligator can run as fast as a racehorse. In a short span, for a short span, they can, they, man, I'm telling you, supper is on the table. What are you getting at? Quit just sitting and thinking, I can't do anything. There's a God inside of you that is the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's time to let the lion roar. So they marched around six days. What else did they do those six days? They, they weren't allowed to say anything, were they? Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, no, never mind. Don't look at your neighbor and say that. How many of you know sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut? Just how many of you have ever opened your mouth and wished you hadn't? So God, God's, God's doing something. God's saying, no talking. And so nobody's allowed to say anything. So here's my question. They're moving around the wall not saying anything. Do you think that's all that's going on? There, there are priests that are told to blow the trumpets, but they're like short bursts that they're doing. I'm going to get to the trumpet in a moment. But are they just, are, are they just walking around the wall like a zombie? Just, no. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you're in a room filled with people and all of a sudden you begin to have a prayer meeting with God? Oh, they didn't know it was happening because it was happening in here. Everybody say, get your focus on God. For six days, they're not allowed to say a word. God's saying, I need you to get focused on me. You've been scattered. Your mind's been in a hundred different places. You've been pulled in a hundred different directions. Right now, these six days, I'm going to get you focused. I want you to understand what the stakes are. They want to destroy you. They're trying to keep you out, but I have already given you the city. Do you understand that when it looks like you, it, you can't, God said, I've already made arrangements. I just need you to follow after me so for six days they say nothing but they're worshiping and they're praying and they're focused and then something happens everybody say seven the word seven means complete the word seven stands for finished on the seventh day he rested he was finished what happens on the seventh day? Did you, did you notice this? That this is, this is how this is set up. That on the seventh day, that stands for completion, he's got seven priests that are carrying seven trumpets for seven days, and the last day they march seven times. God said, no matter how you look at it, I'm getting ready to wrap this up. <laughs> I know you felt like you've been kept out. You've been pushed out. I know you felt like it's never going to happen. But I'm telling you, you better get ready because I'm getting ready to wrap some things up. Remember, every time there was a deliverance coming, they were attacking the children. It happened with Moses. It happened with Jesus. And now it's happening in our day. But somebody say divine intervention. The Supreme Court comes along and says, no, no, we're going to reverse some things. Do you really think that they did that on their own. How many of you know that God still has his ways in the affairs of man? That God is changing the tide. He's turning things around. That they're trying to teach this gender identity in schools, but guess what happened? All of a sudden, parents started showing up to board meetings. Somebody say, go, God, go. He's saying, move, move, move. Everybody say it with me. It's time to move. And the seventh time around, they make a long, loud blast on the ram's horn. Everybody say ram's horn. Do you know that the ram's horn was known as the horn of Jubilee? Everybody say Jubilee. <laughs> He's saying, get ready. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. <laughs> He said, now when you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. I know some folks get nervous. Music's too loud. 
Somebody look at him and go, shout! <laughs> do, you know, do you know what the word shout means there in Hebrew? The word shout means an ear-splitting sound, a shout of triumph, a shout for joy. <laughs> What's he saying? He's saying, folks, uh, I need you to hear what I'm saying. Uh, it's time for you to get up, stir up the gift that I put inside of you because uh, we're getting ready to have revival. Uh, we're getting ready to break out. Uh, things are getting ready to change. <laughs> I tell you, for a long time when I was, uh, first came here, you know, I, I was battling that, that, you know, well, I was an evangelist. No, you're a pastor now. You got to calm down. You're, Debbie would say, "Man, just go." I said, "Debbie, I'm a pastor, man. I'm not an evangelist anymore. I said, I'm a pastor. I got to." And I'm telling you, after last week, I thought, "Here we go." It's time to shout it out. It's time to let people listen to me. You've got to believe that you're important enough to matter. The same God that told that little boy, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, spoke through that little boy to us and said, I know what my thoughts are concerning you. They're thoughts of good and not of evil to give you hope and an expected end. What's God saying? God's saying, I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. I haven't forgotten you. And you need to get ready because I'm getting ready to deliver you. Somebody stand to your feet with me right now. We forget. We forget that there are some things that have to come on this world according to Scripture. And honest to goodness, man, we've seen them happening. I mean, you, you'd, have to, you, you'd have to put on a blindfold not to see what's happening is tying in with the end time. Somebody said, oh, you're just making that up. Go read the book of Revelation and Daniel and then come back and tell me I'm making this up. You're not going to be able to buy or sell without a vaccine passport. <laughs> oh, it's a mark, but they've already done the passport. They... You couldn't buy food in New York. You couldn't go into a restaurant. In Canada, you couldn't go into a Walmart. You've got to have that passport. How easy can that get transitioned? I mean, we've already been standing in front of people letting them shoot us in the head with a scanning device to take our temperature. All they got to do is put a little chip there. This is not a time for the church to start wringing its hands and going, ah, what I'm going to do? Esther did not run down the street screaming, we're all going to die. She went to the king, and the king turned some things around. Hear me, the church is what's holding back everything. And I believe with all my heart that God is giving us the opportunity to have one more awakening. For God to say, here I am. But for that to happen, we have to wake up first. We have to stir up the gift that's in us. God has put something in you. Stir it up. Everybody say, stir it up. I had a brother. I still got a brother. His name's Daryl. My dad told my brother Daryl, he said, Daryl, he said there were five of us kids. And he said, Daryl, he said, all these kids can be in a room getting along fine said, you're not in the room five minutes, and you got stuff stirred up. It was his gift. <laughs> he, he had a way. I'm tired of, I, I don't, I'm not interested in just coming to church and sitting down and folding our hands in our lap and patting, you know, and woo, praise God. It's time that we let the church get in us and take it out of these four walls. Have a revival in the street. We're going to the parking lot Wednesday. <laughs> it's just a little bit further to the street. <laughs> so as a matter of fact, we're starting revival Wednesday, but you're starting revival today. 
You're, you're going to take this with you today. And you say, but pastor, I just, I, you know, I feel kind of drug out. Well, come on up here because I want to do what God called me to do. I want to see the gift stirred up inside of you. When I was 15 years old and I didn't have a ministry, a man called me out of a meeting in Chicago, Illinois. And he said, your job is going to be to stir the church. And I looked at him and I thought, man, this guy's got the wrong person. I mean, I... But for the last, since I was 18 years old, that's what God has been doing in me. Do you understand? You can't work stuff up. So I'm very well aware of the fact that I can't preach revival if I can't feel revival. So before I can give it to you, it has to happen in me. That's for the reason of the encounter this past week. God was saying, I got to get this in you. I need to remind you of who you are. You're my child. I've got an investment in your life and I want to use it now. I want to use it now. How many of you understand that God's got an investment in your life? And he wants to use it now. So if you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor, I'm ready for that to happen. I want you to come up here right now. I'm ready for that to happen. I, 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 wanna, I, I want God to use me to stir things up. I, I, I want revival to break out in me. Everybody say revival. They asked Gypsy Smith, they said, how do you have a revival? He said, go into a room by yourself, draw a circle stand in the middle of that circle and pray God send a revival in this circle it starts here it starts here somebody say it with me important enough to matter can I ask you a question is God important enough to matter in your life okay stay with me here for just a second you see Jesus is important enough to matter to me so important that I'm not trying to fit him into my busy life or into my busy schedule. But he's so important, Joe, that I've said, God, take my life and fit it into your schedule. Let me be what you want me to be. Call me for what you've called me to do. And it's just starting to find, I know, you know, I'm I'm, uh, getting some age on me, but I'm starting to get it. See, when I came here, I didn't plan on being a pastor. And then all of a sudden, God did something to me. And then I was wrestling with, I'm a pastor, I can't be an evangelist. Then all of a sudden, God did something to me. And I thought, God, you mean I could be an evangelist and a pastor? All at the same time. (laughs) Which means that you can have a job and God use you on your job to bring revival. <laughs> How many of you are ready for that to happen? God can use you where you're at to bring revival. All that has to happen is you get excited. All that has to happen is you start feeling something inside of you other than Geritol. Let God do it in you. Are you ready? Stretch your hands. Come, come up front. I need some guys to help me. Come on, real quick, real quick. Step, step up close. Step up close. Say, get ready to sing this song. They say, lift your hands. Sing for joy. Make a, make a joyful noise. Stretch your hands. This is, look, this is what I'm believing. I'm believing that I'm going to, I'm going to do what God told me to do. God told me. Stir up the gift that's in you so you can stir up the gift that's in them. Stir up the gift that's in you so you can stir up the gift that's in them. So when I lay my hand on you, I'm believing for one thing. I'm believing for the gift that God put in your life to be stirred up, for it to begin to be activated like it's never been activated before. This is what you need to understand, that when the gift is activated in your life, everything you have need of comes. 
Everything you have need of comes in that moment. What are you, what are you talking about? There was a guy, that, you remember Brother Walls that was here? The 80-year-old minister that was here, he was, his back was out. They carried him into a service. His back is out. And all of a sudden, he says, you know, they're praying for him and nothing's happening. Well, he prayed for people his whole life, so he's laying there. He turns around and lays his hand on the person behind him, starts to pray for him, and God healed him. He stirred up his gift and it happened. Stretch your hands out.
Thank you, Father. Raise those hands to heaven. I want you to, I want you to hear what I'm going to say. I want you to hear me. Come here just a second. The devil intended to destroy you. He was going to take you out. Now, the scripture said that everything that happens isn't good, but he said that he works it for good to those that love him or are called according to his purpose. It's not by chance that you showed up. God's been dealing with you for some time, but it's like you feel like you've been trapped. It's almost like walls closing in on you. But God said, I'm bringing the walls down now. I'm... scripture I want to read to you is 2 Timothy 4 and 5. But as for you, be clear-headed in every situation. Stay calm, cool, and steady. Endure every hardship without flinching. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill the duties of your ministry. God has called us all to minister. We all minister in different ways. Some, minister, some ministries happen behind, well, let me just say this. If the only place I minister is behind here, I'm not really a minister. Because ministry has to reach beyond this desk and go into the world. The devil tries to talk you down. He tries to get you to believe that you don't matter. But you do matter. You matter so much that Jesus gave his life for you. And no matter what anyone has ever said to you, remember his words. Come to me, all you that weary and are heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. Right now in Jesus' name, wrap your rounds around him, God. Wrap your arms around him and hold him. Let him feel your love. Stretch your hands to him right now. That's it. That's it. Say this with me, Lord. I ask you into my heart. Forgive me of all my sin. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. love him come on we're gonna let me pray for you today revival starts now everybody say it revival starts now you're taking it out of here let me pray for you father we thank you for your love for us God and the investment that you've made in our lives God you did make us fearfully and wonderfully we pray father that now we'll step into what you've called us to do with no fear, but with faith, without worry, but in confidence, knowing that you're greater than anything in this world. So we give you praise for it now, and we say, use me in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you.